the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. This episode, I share a chat with two IBMers recorded in Sydney at the Cloud Innovate Exchange event, including Matthias Buniuk, who runs the Simon Project, Simon being a space robot, recently helping out aboard the International Space Station, and also Azuru Fernando, who is the Chief Technology and Design Officer at IBM New Zealand. Special thanks this episode go to the organisations who have an ongoing commitment to support the tech community here in New Zealand uh, through their partnership with the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, those companies are Sumo Logic, Samsung, HP, Vodafone 5G, Spark and Vocus. And also, of course, to IBM for the opportunity to speak with Matthias and Izzy and for taking me to Sydney. All right, let's jump in. We have a special episode today. We're coming from Sydney, Australia, and this is IBM Cloud Innovation Exchange. So welcome along. Thanks for those that are uh, joining the live stream. And we have two special guests here from IBM. First up, Matthias Biniuk from Deutschland, from Germany. Exactly, yeah. Great to, uh, great to have you on the show. Thank, Thank you, you for taking the time. Sure. Happy to be here. And based in New Zealand, Azuru Fernando, thanks for coming on. Super delighted to be here, Paul. Thank you. Now, I want to talk today about what IBM is, is doing on the artificial intelligence front, because that seems to be a, an area of a lot of expertise for, uh, for the two of you. Um, maybe, Matthias, you can start by giving us a little bit of an introduction to what you do when you fit in to the, the world of IBM. Yeah, sure. So uh, my official title is Lead Watson Architect for the German-speaking region, so for Germany, Austria and Switzerland. Um, Lead Watson Architect means that I'm basically building AI solutions, so artificial intelligence solutions with many customers in uh, more than 20 industries, like in insurance, banking, uh, in space, uh, in, in all kind of industries. So um, yeah, it's a very, very fun job. And uh, I think IBM as a market leader in AI is a very good uh, employee <laughs> employer and very fun to work with. Fantastic. And uh, Azuru, tell us about your role. Oh, so Paul, uh, so my role is uh, I'm the Chief Design and Technology Officer for IBM New Zealand. And what that really means is I spend a lot of my time um, working across IBM's portfolio of hardware, software, services and our design capability in service of clients in New Zealand. And that's really exciting because, you know, one of the really interesting things about Kiwis is we're not afraid to innovate. We're not afraid to push boundaries. And so a lot of the time I find having Kiwis come to us uh, where they've experimented and prototyped using IBM Watson and created new ways of working. That's, those conversations are really interesting. So that's, that's what I do uh, at IBM and, and what I do for New Zealand. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Now, um, just to set the scene a little bit, what sort of size is IBM in New Zealand now? Because I understand globally, IBM is, I think, humongous would be the word to describe it. I think I heard around, around 400,000 people. Is that right? Yeah, we're, we're, we're a large organization. Yeah. Uh, uh, but here's the important thing is we're a global organization. Yeah. 
but we also act and operate locally. So certainly in New Zealand, uh, we act and operate like we are a New Zealand company. Um, and I think um, one of the things we, we want to do in New Zealand is to make the lives of Kiwis better in every way. So that's our personal mission here in IBM New Zealand. So uh, one of the luxuries we have being a New Zealand company is that we have the force and the, and the, and the breadth of talent of the IBM Global Organization, then we can bring it here locally. So, uh, you know, numbers aside, I think I think that's just a luxury that we have uh, working for IBM, and it's great when when clients engage with us. Uh, they get not just the IBM team, but the IBM Global team, and folks like folks like you who've got expertise and experience working across uh, industries in Europe. Yeah, yeah. And um, where in New Zealand is IBM based now? You've got Auckland. Wellington, those your sort of two two main locations. Well, so we have we have offices in in the major cities for sure, but you know we spend a lot of our time on client sites. So it's it, you know it, it doesn't make sense for us to kind of sit in our offices. I think uh, where we've really focused on is creating these blended, diverse teams, and for us to do really good work and make the lives of Kiwis better, we find that. Being there with clients in their offices and their spaces just makes that experience a lot better. So uh, we do have cities and uh, offices in the major cities, and we've we've actually moved into to some new digs uh, in Auckland. I don't know if you visited us, Paul, but if you haven't, you should no, come no, on. The new it's, it's great. It's it's a beautiful space. It's been modeled off some of the studio spaces we have across the world, and it uh, uh, it's it it really improves uh, the way IBMers work. But we also bring clients in kind of take them through like a bit of a studio experience so yeah oh that's nice yeah i mean i totally concur with the approach of spending time you know with with your clients with those that you're working with in in their space and you know when we look at things from that that empathy perspective it's really hard to have empathy for you know what your clients are doing if you're not actually there with them and and you know getting a bit of an experience of mm-hmm. of what their what the challenges are the Absolutely. problems they're trying to address yeah, so for sure. yeah that that's good so Matthias maybe um, you can tell us a little bit about some of the things that you've been involved in in terms of uh, you know one one or two of the the real world projects in terms of artificial intelligence and I know that IBM works with some very very big organisations. You know, hearing recently about Simon, this uh, you know AI robot, uh, yep. the International Space Station, down to very small organisations. So it'll be quite interesting uh, just to to maybe get a few of those examples of where where Watson's being used. And I like the idea of hearing some of the those smaller stories because in New Zealand we have such a you know diverse mix of businesses, mm. and a lot of them are on the the you know smaller to medium end of the scale. Uh, hearing those things sort of I guess you know can make can make things these things more relatable than just you know what NASA's doing is really cool, but wow. um, there aren't there aren't probably so many opportunities to uh, uh, to be maybe at, at at their level. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, first of all, I definitely agree with the uh, with what you just said. Uh, it's exactly the same in Germany. We uh, love to work with clients on site, and that's really uh, helpful, especially in AI projects. I saw many many AI projects, and the most successful ones are the ones that you do with a client mm-hmm. together on site, working in small teams in an agile way. I think that's the way uh, how to do it, how to do AI, and. It 
it, it works very well. So some of these examples, um, you mentioned Simon, for example, um, we worked with the German Space Agency and the European Space Agency and with Airbus Defense and Space um, to create the first autonomously free-flying robot on the International Space Station, of course, equipped with artificial intelligence powered by IBM Watson. And this robot is supposed to help the astronauts, support the astronauts with their daily experiments and tasks. So you can ask him, what's the next step? What kind of tool do I need to use right now? So these kind of things. And um, I think that was a very, very successful uh, project that we had there with uh, with our two partners. And as I said, that was exactly the way where uh, how we worked with them. We were on site with them, working in an agile team, uh, in, an, in a very uh, sprint and scrum type of of, of man manner so that was really really cool another project uh was, oh, just yeah. just on that one i'm yeah. i'm i'm curious was there was there room to build a little bit of sort of fun in there i remember a particular you know movie where the uh, uh <laughs> you know the the robot yeah. said uh, sorry i can't do that yeah uh, actually you, you, you put a bit of fun in there if you ask if you ask simon uh, please open the pot bay door simon he will actually respond i'm afraid i cannot do that so really? yeah oh, he does. Oh, wow that's, that's yeah, oh, that's good yeah. that's it was neat. it was hard to um, convince the <laughs> the space agencies that this is something that is really funny but <laughs> there are also some other easter eggs in there of course but oh. But uh, the main use case or the business case behind Simon is really uh, to support these experiments with knowledge and information and also act as a mobile video mm -hmm. camera um, for, for documentation purposes. So. Right, right. And so what are the AI elements that are, um, that are in there? Sort of, I guess voice recognition is, yeah. is a, key, a you, key part of it. Yeah, you, you can think of uh, like imitating the human senses a little bit like first of all you need to hear so we are using speech to text to transcribe audio to uh to to text and then we are trying to interpret it like with a brain so what is this guy talking about was is what is this astronaut uh, uh want from me um so these kind of things and then of course we're answering like we do with our mouth um we are answering text to speech then uh, we are also seeing image recognition uh, what's in visual recognition and uh, also what we're doing is emotion analysis so we are trying to understand what's the emotion of the astronaut right now what is he or she talking about is he or she happy or not so those kind of things are very uh, interesting as well to uh, kind of incorporate them into the context of the conversation and uh, yeah that those kind of uh, services that's what we are using no, it's it's interesting. I, you know, I guess at this stage, it's it's very much an ex experimental type of situation, rather than it. You know, it's it's not you know it's doubling not the productivity of the uh, astronauts or anything not, at this stage, yet. right? It's no. just getting getting the process started. It's a so-called technology demonstrator. That means we are trying to demonstrate that it's really of value. That's uh, it's helping the uh, the astronauts on the space station, uh, but definitely we are thinking about putting it into production as soon as we see it's really helping with experiments or with uh, video documentation stuff like that 
Is it self-propelling? Can it keep itself yes. in the... Yes, yeah, so yeah. that was that built by cool. Airbus, uh, Defense yeah. and Space in this case. Yeah. And that's really cool. It's like a sophisticated uh, system. It has 14 little fans, like in drones uh, in yeah. there. Yeah. And it uh, moves completely autonomous. So no remote control at all. You it's can just cool. tell Simon, Simon, fly over there to Experiment Station 3 and, uh, I don't know, uh, take a video of the Experiment Station, bring it back to me and show it to me. And Simon can do that. That's pretty cool. That's very neat. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I need that for my home as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's a few people that would like to uh, sign yeah. up for yeah. that. Yeah. Good. And and maybe um, any other examples? Yeah, so um, of course there are those large client examples like um, chatbots or agent assist use cases for uh, in, a, in a call center, for example, for telco companies and for insurances and in banking. But they're also like smaller and uh, also very interesting use cases. For example, I had, had a recent uh, uh, opportunity where it was about the scaling of pigs. Uh, so like the, the animals. Of pigs. Yeah, like animals. Okay. So it was really about um, can we measure the, the weight of a, of a pig by just looking at it without having it at, at, at an actual scale. Oh, that's so, cool. So just, just yeah. identifying that it's a pig and then getting the dimensions. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wow. Like uh, okay. segmenting the pig and then based on the number of pixels, basically, and uh, the, the knowledge about the perspective and the distance and so on, measuring how how much it uh, it is, uh, how much it weighs. So that's that's a pretty cool example because there is actually an, an pig scaling uh, algorithm mm -hmm. that can... Uh, kind of calculate how much it weighs and we are doing image recognition and object segmentation to find the number of pixels and then based on that we don't have to put the pick on a scale because Did you that's say pixels or pixels? <laughs> <laughs> Both. <laughs> Pixels. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, so that's that really reduces the stress level of the animals, which which is uh, good first of all, and right, then what normally they have to go be to a scale, put into a yeah. onto a scale location, yeah. and maybe held there or exactly to sit in one stay in one spot yeah. and it's not easy to convince a pig to do that so uh maybe with a bit of food yeah so that's why it helps first of all the the animals and on the other hand it of course increases efficiency in kind of these large uh pig houses yeah yeah and so how much there do you need to draw on advanced artificial intelligence or I mean that that seems like an example that would be quite accessible and quite you know reasonably easy for you know business to do something like that mm -hmm. um, because we you know they can leverage you know IBM's uh, Watson cloud stuff to I guess you've got things where they can just tap into an, an API and so some a programmer can quite easily exactly. you know, code something without doing really any anything complex they're really just asking Watson to interpret what's in a photo and yep. give it some some guidelines I guess the the weight element how much of that is AI or is that actually just working out you know a calculation you know separately do you need to use AI to work out the weight uh, no, that's actually uh, an algorithm that was invented, I think, by a Swedish uh, pig researcher. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but uh, the, yeah. the, uh, the thing that we need to uh, do the calculation is actually the number of pixels from a different perspective, kind yes. of, or 
specific yeah. perspective. And that was the um, part that we did with the IBM Cloud Watson services. Like, uh, for example, there's one service called Watson Machine Learning, where you can just easily create your own neural network that can, for example, do this object segmentation piece where you count the pixels of, an, of a pick. Right. And there are even simpler services or, or better services that can use object detection without you knowing anything about artificial intelligence at all. You just need to give in some training data, like labeled images, where you say, well, that's a pick, that's a pick here, that's another pick. Right. And uh, we have, of course, a tooling where you can just do that uh, in the cloud. And based on that, you uh, have your training material, you click on train, and that's it. it. You wait for it to finish, and then you have your algorithm where you can just have an API and you throw a pic, uh, a pic, uh, picture, yes. <laughs> <laughs> a picture of a pic at it, and based on that you get a result. Well, um, by the way, here's a pic, and here's a pic, and here's a pic. Easy at that, as that. Right. Now, I'm not a farmer, far from it, but I can imagine as a farmer you might like to differentiate between you know your pigs and and track each individual one and of course it's quite common for for livestock to be labeled in some way or numbered mm-hmm. and so on is that something where the ai is is you know, I guess what I'm asking is, do you have pig facial recognition yet? <laughs> you could train a pig facial recognition um, but that's always a question of is it really um, meaningful to do so. So I think it would be much easier to just use IoT devices or maybe a number on the back of the pig or something like that right. uh, to to differentiate between the pigs. So AI is not always the solution. It's part of the solution, but sometimes just on just normal applications mm-hmm. uh, are better to to solve a business problem. Hmm. I mean, I'm thinking about you know within the New Zealand context, and yes, we have pig farms and and varying things, but you know we have a lot of uh, a lot of sheep and a lot of cattle, and yeah, if you could if you could do that without having to lift, lift a finger and identify. Uh, which is which? That would be that'd be handy, but uh, I, you know, I think al- already livestock usually gets labelled in, in in some way. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, very uh, very interesting. Azuru, what are the things that you've been working on from the the AI perspective in in New Zealand? Are there any um, examples you've been involved in recently that would yeah? Be- so uh, it's it's been really interesting, and I get on these calls with my colleagues globally, and. What is really interesting is the uptake of, of artificial intelligence in New Zealand. Um, and I think just Kiwis are just not afraid to innovate, right? So we've, we've got some really, really interesting stories across the board. So we've, we've, got, the, we've got the large enterprises like, um, you know, Vodafone. Um, Jason was on stage today, CEO of Vodafone New Zealand. Um, and there was some, they, they spoke about how Vodafone is u- utilizing artificial intelligence to deflect uh, calls. Um, so what, is, what does that mean? Because from a customer perspective, that terminology, Vodafone's trying to deflect mm-hmm. calls, might not sound so nice. So walk us through what, yeah, that, so, what so, that actually so I'll, means. So I'll talk, I'll talk yeah. generally, not specifically yeah. about Vodafone. But So if, if, if you look at the customer experience, you know, if we have a question to ask a business, um, I, I, I want to have that question responded as fast as possible, as accurately as possible. A majority of my questions tend to be kind of one and done type questions. So, you know, and I want this question to be answered at a time that's convenient for me, right? Not when a call center is open, right? And even more so, 
I want to be able to use or carry that conversation through. You know, I want to start off on my phone, maybe go across to my watch, you know, maybe then on my laptop, right? I need to have these multiple channels. So it and did, you probably don't want to spend half an hour on on, on, time, on, right? on hold, right? right, what, right. Which, I, which I, can happen when you call a call right, center I, at I, times. You know, I want to have like a personal concierge to, to answer those very simple questions. Like, you know, um, and so uh, artificial intelligence is a great way to bridge that, you know, to to give every client or customer like their own personal concierge. So I can start off a conversation in one device, move off to a different channel, etc. And the great thing about Watson is that, and and you spoke about, you know, detecting empathy, right? Great thing about Watson is it understands human empathy. So it can detect, you know, my anger levels, my levels of joy, anxiety, etc. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And use that to determine if it's the right moment to hand me off to humans so that I can be better taken care of. And also, you can use artificial intelligence that when you're getting, you know, the more sophisticated, complex problems where it's not a one-and-done interaction to hand me off to a human, right? So kind of keeping that delightful experience so that, you know, you bring delight when you respond to something quickly and accurately, right? Uh, maintaining that across, you know, thousands and thousands of customers that you have and then those ones where you have really sophisticated questions where you need that kind of personal human touch, uh, handing those off to, to humans, right? It's a great way of, of bringing delight to customers. And, and also on the, on, the, on the flip side, I think it, 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 raises, um, uh, it, it raises the overall aptitude uh, for the organization because they'll see these scores of satisfaction being improved. They have customers who are more satisfied. So they, they have more opportunity cross-sell, upsell to them and, and you get incredible stickability because, you know, a large part of me sticking with a brand, sure, there's the, you know, there's the brand itself, but it's the experience of service and how well I feel like I'm taken care of. Um, so that's kind of overall as, as a, um, and maybe the language needs to be, needs to be different, but, <laughs> but that, that's how we view it, yeah, right? Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's around how do you, um, how do you look after the, the customer? And it's what you said, it's around, you know, AI is, is, is part of the solution. So you look at the overall customer journey yep. and how they interact with your brand, your organization, where you can bring simpler, delightful experiences, then we use artificial intelligence for that. But one of the other things uh, that, that, you know, because we were talking about pigs, sure, bacon is everything. But, you know, in New Zealand, we've done some, a really interesting uh, piece of work with um, a company called the Fine Wine Delivery Company. It's all about wine, right? Um, and you, you asked the question before about scaling from large organizations to small stuff. So sure, uh, Watson's great. They, it's, it's an enterprise-grade artificial intelligence system. But what we've done globally is we've made it really accessible for, for people to onboard and experiment. And what that's really meant is the conversations we're having with Kiwi businesses, Paul, has really changed in the last two years. So... Uh, it's no longer, you know, you, you're having to to go and inform and educate people about artificial intelligence because we've made it a mission to to make AI easy for everyone in New Zealand. And with the power of IBM Watson, you know, Kiwis can go online, provision AI instance, uh, an API, experiment, build, prototype. And so what we're seeing now, the behavior we're seeing is clients are coming to us and saying, hey, we've built and prototyped something. Um, could you give us a hand operationalizing this? 
or even better if you have come to us and gone you know we've actually built this we think it's production ready let's let's talk about how do we how do we then you know strengthen and harden this right so it's it's really great conversation but specifically with the with the fine wine delivery um, they they had they wanted to make that experience of finding the right wine for you a lot less frictionless online on the digital channel so uh, they've got these great stores and you can walk in and you've got, you know, you walk into someone, you meet with them, you know, mm. they know all about the wine, they bring a really personalized experience. Yeah. And what was really interesting is because if, if you are in the industry, you've got all these, you've got this huge amount of data, right? And so when, when Fine One was looking at how they bring the same experience on a digital platform, one of the things we sat down and talked through with them was, well, we need to kind of build your own you know, personal concierge uh, advisor online. Uh, and what was really special about the way Fine Wine worked is they had tasting notes for wine that they had, right? So there's copious amounts of notes. And that was a bit of an aha moment for us because they had these notes, unstructured, written up, and we were very easily able to feed these notes into Watson. So Watson actually read the same notes that they that they, that the fine wine staff had access to. Oh, that's right? cool, right? So that was really neat. Uh, and, and from that, Watson was able to infer what types of wine, etc. So if you if you go on and you know we've we've launched the first phase of this is around a more intelligent, smarter search. But uh, you know we'll have a bit more interesting things around recommendation of wine, etc. And so that's a really to me because I do like wine, it's a really delightful example of how a company in New Zealand uh, is able to bring artificial intelligence to, to its consumers and customers. Right? right. So how does that play out? Somebody visits their website and then how do they interact with the AI, basically? Is that through a chatbot or is that just a search? What, what is yeah, it so, they Yeah, so we had a really long conversation and experiments around how we surface Watson to their clients. So we did explore the idea of a chatbot, um, but we felt, you know, that that probably wasn't the experience they were going for. Um, and what we did was kind was have that, that we we had a product uh, in IBM called Watson Analytics, which allowed you to do natural language search across complex information um, silos and bring back these graphical representations. And so we use that as an inspiration to build intelligent search right into the search bar. So, you know, there's no special place you have to go to, you know, click on an AI search. It was, it feels very natural for someone who's visiting their website. There's a search bar, you click on it, and you just type in using natural language. And it really speaks to some of the comments made in the keynote today is around not just putting AI as a veneer over an existing application. It's truly embedding artificial intelligence into applications itself. Mm. Yeah, That's fascinating. Now, um, AI crosses into lots of other fields too, right? And we've got the world of the Internet of Things, of, of IoT. I'm curious, and you may not know this, are there sensors today that could be, um, I guess, go into wine and, and allow... Uh, the AI to pull some data back about you know the composition of the wine or or other things. I'm trying to imagine a future where 
basically some wine gets produced and the AI can, you know, by drawing data on what's in the wine, maybe get a bit of a feel for, is this a good one or a, you know, or a dud batch sort of thing. Yeah, but, you know, all, all that's kind of perspective, right? Like yeah. a, a good true, wine for true. the two of us yeah. might be not so great wine for you. We might have different palates, you know, uh, you might have a, a fi- you might favor richer, bolder red wine and we might have uh, favor fruitier, lighter white wine. Right. So, that, that, so that's that, that's that's a that's a very human kind of centric thing. Um, but but your question of can we put sensors in and determine the chemical composition of of, of a liquid or a compound? Yeah, there's there's there's, uh, there's sensors out there that can do that. Um, and if what fact, it can tell you, I guess, varies. Yeah, doesn't yeah. It? So yeah. it's it's yeah. it's around how do you interpret what you get and. How do you present that in a meaningful way to the user is as important as does the technology exist. And I think we're so lucky to be living in a world now where for a lot of ideas that we want to execute on, technology already exists, right? We heard on stage about quantum being used for estimating, uh, you know, production. Was it, was it plants? You know, in a production plants in, in, yeah, in, in so. Woodside where they were attempting to. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of ideas, for a lot of ideas, I think technology exists. It's around how do we take all of that and make it more meaningful for, for users, for sure. Yeah. But we do have an example of how Watson's used in a vineyard. Um, I think it's Gal- the Galgo vineyard where they're, where they're actually using Watson. Uh, they've got sensors in the ground to detect moisture levels mm-hmm. of the vines and then suggesting the best time and the frequency in which to water the wines and also coming back with the chemical composition of the soil, right? So now that's a lot more meaningful for, for the people who are tending to the vines, right? Now they've got something uh, that's actionable for them that they can execute on. So that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. I, th- I think that's that's also something that we should focus on, that artificial intelligence, if we use it, it's uh, not really AI as artificial intelligence, but more like augmented intelligence because yes. we are recommending mm-hmm. a next best action. For example, mm-hmm. like watering the wine, that could be a next best action. But based on this action, um, uh, an expert could say, well, not really. Uh, I would do it maybe tomorrow because mm-hmm. I know that to today is going to be some rain or something like that because not all the data points are always available. So I think that's really important to to understand that it's always a recommendation or it's an augmentation of uh, of intelligence in, in that way for a human. For, for now. For now, yeah. Maybe, I guess maybe as more time goes on, you know, we get to a point, and, and some things, and I'm sure probably there are things there already where the AI will, you know, will give a better, mm. uh, you know, make a better uh, de- decision because it can see so much data. I mean, I, you know, I think of, um, you know, driving an autonomous car. It's an example where it's, it's not quite there yet, but the vehicle has eyes in the back of its head that we don't have, right? Mm. It has access to all these data points that mm. that, that we don't have. But, but right now, yeah, I agree, it sort of sits in that uh, area of, of being... Um, Assistive intelligence yeah. and mm. uh, and and uh, you know helpful probably from a safety perspective, but most of us are, are probably not able to jump in a car and and be uh, driven around as safe as we we could if we're driving ourselves at this stage. Yeah, and and it's about the application. I think yeah. I think what you were saying before is we've got a great example in New Zealand around Vector, how they're using the AI built into our weather platform uh, to have better predictability around um, uh, the, the 
poles that they have, right? So vegetation damage to the poles. And I think uh, when you when you think consider how artificial intelligence is is used uh, to increase safety around the integrity of the poles and the and the people that are working on them and just kind of overall community safety i think that's a, that's a really good use case that's cool so walk us through the, the vector example how are they able to use ai to to help them there sure what does so, that look like? so this, we're fairly early in, in our stages uh but but the the intent was we've, we've got a great platform called the weather fusion platform um, and again, you heard a little bit of it, uh, Jason, jesting around on stage uh, with uh, with Martin. Um, and w- w- we, as IBM, we, we've acquired the, the weather company uh, a few a few years ago. Now was it? Like yeah. four or five years. Yeah, four, the, oh, wow. this is who produces the weather channel yeah, yeah, on already, TV, right? Yeah. And or in the US. Yeah. So, yep. so in fact, if you if you were to take your iOS device um, and launch the weather app and look in the bottom right, bottom right. You'll, you'll see a little logo that says yeah. Weather Channel, right? Yeah. So that's IBM. That's yeah. us. So we're, we're, the, we're the largest commercial producer, broker of weather information. And that, gives, that puts us in a really strong position uh, to create uh, platforms specific for industry. So we have them for various industries, including airlines, et cetera. And so the Fusion platform builds on top of the, the simple amount of data so, so simple data to build some artificial intelligence to get better predictability around weather patterns, et cetera. So we're, we're in the stages of building a, a, a platform that will help Vector have better surety and predictability about weather patterns in New Zealand uh, with a, a certain amount of accuracy uh, so that we can have better safety around the power transmission. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's it's super interesting. Probably. Yeah, yeah. So, in terms of how they would they would action that, they might not send somebody up a pole if there was going to be a lightning storm uh, on on that particular day. Is, is that that this, yeah, this yeah, sort but of also scenario, also or? being you know knowing when a storm's going to hit, and right? So, and where so issues knowing, may occur, right? Knowing knowing that a happen. storm storm may hit, uh, and knowing that uh, that a, that a potential situation may arise, etc. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. You know that we did a similar. thing thing in oh, Germany you? actually yeah, yeah. also with uh, with transmission towers okay. and uh, there are always like small damages on transmission towers yeah. and uh, it's very uh, dangerous to fix these damages for for the people going up there mm-hmm. so uh, what they uh, what a company did with uh, with IBM was they actually used drones to uh, actually fly next to these transmission towers and check automatically if there's a damage then also check the weather to see if mm-hmm. there if it's good to go up there right now, and also uh, to see the av- availability of the uh, of the repairman kind of uh, oh, right. Right. the, the right. workers, and then uh, then there would be a human seeing okay the weather is good there is availability so let's send this this and guy like out create like a work work ticket for yeah yeah time. yeah oh that's great yeah. so. Mm-hmm. That was also an interesting uh, proof of concept that we did in Germany, uh, very similar to yeah. what you just, right. just said. Yeah. And I would imagine in time you join the dots together in terms of where artificial intelligence gets used from you know, helping position the drone through to, and, and maybe you do some of this already, but you know, through to the photos where you, you, know, you take one photo and then you, know, you compare that over time to yep. decide 
where where there might be damage. Yeah. Is that is that what happens to sort of figure out? The, yeah, the yeah, yeah. So you have the location information that you can yeah. use for that the geolocation, and uh, of course you can also see the type of damage. It's not mm. just like two classes that mm. one this is damaged or this is not damaged. We can also say, for example, this is just a slight damage or this type of damage, mm -hmm. and based on that you can then decide. Okay. I will send something uh, somebody out because it's really important to fix it as soon as possible okay. because otherwise there will be an outage. Or uh, you can just say, well, this is something that can wait for uh, one more week and then anyway there is a, is a guy coming and fixing that in, in two days, so that's fine. Uh, I don't need to fix it right now. So like, be sorry, so yeah. like better predictive maintenance across the Exactly, place. yeah. We have to talk. I think that's going to be really interesting yeah. <laughs> for some of the use cases in New Zealand, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this is certainly something we were talking about, some of the power companies. Okay. That's great. That's so, great. We're, we're yeah, you know, know. getting some collaboration <laughs> yeah. going on now right here between two countries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, that's fundamentally how IBM works, right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. somewhere in the world, uh, an IBMer has, has looked at this problem, yeah. given it some thought, or even better, executed and taken it into production. I think, yeah. I think we're pretty lucky to be working for a company that has that wealth of resource and talent, right? So w we're definitely going to be hooking up and having a chat about this. Definitely, sure. yeah. 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 Great. Excellent. Well, it's been fantastic to uh, chat with you both. Now, are either of you reachable on social media? How do people sort of you know, keep up with the, the things that, uh, that you're doing? Yeah, sure. So I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter, and uh, sometimes I also post something on LinkedIn and Twitter. <laughs> so feel free to to follow me there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah, I'm on all I'm on all the socials. So uh, probably it's easier to reach me on social media than than email for sure. Uh, but LinkedIn is probably a, a good first way yeah. of getting in touch with me. Just search for my name. Excellent. Um, but I, I I engage heavily on on Twitter and Instagram mm. as well. Excellent. Yeah. Well, um, thanks everybody for joining us on this episode and a huge thank you to the organisations that stand behind the New Zealand Tech Podcast and, and make the shows possible, especially extra, uh, special episodes like this. So a special thank you to Vodafone, Spark, Vocus, HP, Samsung, and to Sumo Logic. So a uh, big shout out to them. And uh, thanks everyone for catching this episode and we'll catch you again on the next one. All right. All right. Thanks for having us. Thank well. you. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.